pretty good. I tell you, the, uh, I think the recipe's in your bulletin. That was all, that was good. Hey, uh, we live in a fast-paced culture where speed impresses us, and we crave more and more and more speed, don't we? I mean, we love fast stuff. Matter of fact, can you imagine working at a computer that you had, say, maybe five, seven years ago? It would drive some of you crazy because it's so slow. Remember when we had to run and get the phone from the kitchen that was hooked by a cord to this box, you know, that had push buttons or a dial on it? Now we complain if we don't have reception right away from our flip phone or our G phone or our iPhone. You know, we live in a fast lane and love fast things. So I just thought I would tell you a few of the fast things that go on around here. The fastest man in the world is the Jamaican sprinter, Bolt. He ran the 100 meters in like 9.69 seconds. Now that's moving. The fastest production car in the world is called TKR. I don't know what that means. All I know is that thing will go 370 miles an hour. Now, boys, you can make good time if you're going down to Florida in the winter. You can get through Georgia real quick, you know. That is like the longest stretch of drive. The fastest animal in the world. Well, you guys know that. It's the peregrine falcon. When that thing dives and descends on its prey, it can hit speeds up to 200 miles an hour. And then the fastest thing in the known universe you would think is the speed of light. Well, they've actually found something faster than the speed of light. They're called tachyons. And I can't explain this except this is like quantum physics and, and kind of theoretical stuff. But supposedly it travels faster than the speed of light. And the slower it goes, the more energy it emits. And the faster it goes, the less energy that emits. But it can never go slower than the speed of light. Thank you very much. We're all impressed with fast stuff, you know? Man, we drive through the fast lane, and quite honestly, don't we get aggravated if we have to sit and wait at the fast lane? Problems in our family, if we can't fix them within a 30-minute kind of sitcom kind of scenario, then we just really kind of get aggravated. You know, the need for speed makes us just frustrated sometimes. And our need for speed may work well when we zip through the fast lane, but our walk here with Jesus Christ... There are some things that you can only get from Jesus when you slow down and eat a little meal with him. So I want you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 24. It's that great resurrection chapter in the Bible. Jesus has risen from the dead in verses 1 through 12. It is this wonderful descriptive narrative that we all love that is really the hinge pin of our Christian faith. The thing that separates what we believe apart from every other world religion is the fact that our Savior was crucified, he was buried, and he rose again. The distinguishing mark of Christianity is the founder of its movement is still alive and well today. Now, if Jesus Christ is alive and he is, then what he has to say ought to be listened to. 
Well, and sometimes we just kind of, we kind of, all right, you know, I got a lot of things on my to-do list. It's, it's the Lord's day, but man, it's kind of like the day I got to get all my little stuff done. And so we come to church and go, all right, let's hurry through the singing. All right, that's a cute little announcement. Let's go. Let's shake hands so I can say hi to some folks and, and, and tell somebody we want to go eat after church. And then we sit down. Okay, Don, oh, let's please don't sing that verse again. Let's just kind of get through it. Okay, it's the preaching. Oh, please. Make it brief. Amen. And we just kind of go, oh, and we want God to fill us up in 60 minutes or less. What if God doesn't work that way? What if we've made church to be that way and have made the assumption that God works that way because we've made this thing called church be that way? What if God just wants to slow us down so that we take kind of a long, protracted walk with him? This is the song they sing about. They want to walk in the center of God's will. Most of us, we don't want to walk in the center of God's will. We just kind of want to show up for that appointment to be in the center of God's will and then move on. I'm telling you, there are some things that can only happen when you spend time with Jesus Christ. Well, here's two disciples. One is named Cleopas. We find his name later in the story. And they're trying to make sense out of what just happened in Jerusalem. It was Passover. That's where everybody from all over the known world, all the Jews come home and they celebrate that annual feast day. They had heard and seen the story of the crucifixion. They had probably no doubt seen the tomb where they had buried Jesus because of the way that they're so descriptive in their conversation. And then they hear murmurings of the resurrection. And they can't make it all fit. And so with Passover being over, they start a walk back to their hometown of Emmaus. Emmaus is a seven-mile seven Seven miles away from Jerusalem. Probably would have taken, if you got little legs like I do, maybe about two and a half hours to walk it at a slow pace. I would imagine it was even slower. These guys were discouraged. These guys were depressed. These guys had seen their faith literally ripped out from under them. And they were trying to make sense out of something that didn't make sense. And so you kind of find their story. It just kind of begins there in verse 13. It says, now on the same day, two of them were coming to the village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking about everything that had happened. And when they talked, verse 15, and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and he walked among them. Now it's interesting, the disciples are walking slowly. When it says Jesus walked up to them, it's the idea that he overtook them in the walk. In other words, his pace was faster than their pace, and he overtook them. And the idea is he was trying to catch these guys. This was not a happen chance meeting. He was intentionally seeking out these two disciples. And they are there. And they're talking. All of a sudden, Jesus shows up. It's a great little story. As a matter of fact, verse 16 tells about how God kept the recognition of Jesus away from them. So they didn't quite understand who he is. 
And then Jesus said, in verse 17, he asked them, he said, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stopped. Their faces downcast. One of them, whose name Caiaphas, asked him, are you kidding me? Now that's in there, you just don't see it in there. He said, are you kidding me? Are you the only visitor in Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there these days? <laughs> Can you imagine? Can you imagine asking Jesus, dude, don't you know what's happened in Jerusalem the last three days? I wonder what Jesus must have thought. I wonder if Jesus thought, do I know? You want to talk about what things? Do you mean the, that thing about me dying on the cross for the sins of the entire world? Do you mean that thing? Glavis, do you mean being buried in another man's tomb and descending into hell itself, taking the keys of hell and the authority over death, hell, and the grave? Do you mean that thing? Glavis, that thing that you're talking about? Could it be that, 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 that thing you're talking about when the stone was rolled away and Peter and John and Mary and the other ladies looked in and they saw that I wasn't there but I had risen triumphantly being the sole conqueror and sovereign victor of this universe? Are you talking about those things? My goodness, what a difference it makes, doesn't it, if you ask the right person the right question. Jesus said, what things? Have you ever known a secret? Now, my wife tells me that she will not tell me secrets because she says, I give away the secrets. She will tell me somebody's pregnant in the church and I will just with excitement and go tell, you know, the grandparents that their son or their daughter is, you know, pregnant and they're going to be grandparents, you know, in nine months. And I get this look of shock because they weren't told yet. Here's a little tip for all you would-be pregnant people out there. Please tell your parents first and then tell me. I don't have Facebook, but I have been known to stick my foot in my mouth on occasion, Jesus is just saying, what things? I mean, he definitely knew something that they didn't know. And then look at verse 18. Or verse 19. He said, well, about Jesus of Nazareth. He was a prophet, powerful in word. And he goes all the way down to verse 24. And he has every fact right about the crucifixion, the death, and the resurrection. If Christianity was all about facts, these guys nailed it. But Christianity is also about faith. They had the facts right. Their faith was shaky. Read what it says. You don't need me to read it for you as I'm talking. Scan the verses. There is nothing out of order, inappropriate, messed up. There is nothing doctrinally wrong with the expression or historically inaccurate for their description of Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, Good Friday through Resurrection Sunday. They nailed it. The issue wasn't the facts. The issue was the faith. See, sometimes we run around thinking if I just knew the answer, 
If I just knew the answer why I lost my job. If I just knew the answer why my loved one had to die. If I knew the answer why this happened. If I just knew the answer. You know what you would have? You would still have a lopsided faith where fact doesn't satisfy you. Somewhere you got to have faith. And it was their faith that was struggling. There's a lot of things I don't understand. I had a seven-year-old or seven, six, when I was seven, I had a six-week-old little brother who died. I still do not understand it to this day. But I have faith that one day I'll see my little brother again in heaven. You say, oh, in heaven we'll understand it all by and by. I think the wisdom and the majesty of God is so great, so enormous, and so expansive. I think in heaven, even when I see more clearly all the facts, I'm still not going to understand everything. And I'm okay with that because in heaven, my faith will be sight. Sometimes we want the answer and God says, no, listen, what you really need is faith. There are answers. I'm not discounting that. These guys had intellectually assented in every way they could to the story of the gospel. And yet they were walking away from the very place where Jesus rose again. Ever found yourself there? You knew all the right things to do from the Bible, but you didn't do them? You've been there? Yeah, I know I ought to read my Bible, but not. Yeah, I know I need to be faithful in church, but don't. I, I, I know I need to open my home up and be a part. And, and it was just like, no. And these guys, they, they had their facts right. But their faith, oh my goodness, their faith was so wrong. Matter of fact, look at, uh, uh, look at verse 25. Jesus said, in essence, how foolish. And now, by the way, the word fool isn't, isn't like the word we use today. It doesn't have that, that same derogative meaning. It's just basically it was saying you, just, you, you lack understanding here. You have half the story. Let me give you the rest of the story. So what does Jesus do? Did not Christ have to suffer these things and then enter to his glory? And look at verse 27. And beginning with Moses and the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Isn't it cool that Jesus took them to the Old Testament and started back with the pro Moses and the prophets, Moses and the law, Moses and David and Isaiah, and brought it all the way right up to him today. He took them to the Bible. And they knew, and a matter of fact, he, keep reading as they approached the village to where they were going. Jesus has acted as if he were going to go on, but he really wanted them to stay. And so they said, say, they stopped him and said, please stay with us and spend the night with us and we'll continue this conversation. Now, some Bible scholars believe that this conversation with the two disciples was now going on an hour and a half to two hours. They didn't want it to stop. They were engaged mentally, emotionally, spiritually, socially, physically. Man, they were engaged in every possible way you could be engaged. And they didn't want it to stop. And they said, please come and stay at our home. 
and you get one of the kind of the neatest little verses, you'll just kind of read and just kind of makes you, look at verse 30, when he was at the table with them, he took the bread, gave thanks, and he broke it. Now, by the way, that's not the custom of the day. If you're the homeowner, if you own the house, then your responsibility was to take the bread, bless it, and give it out to your, to your family. But Jesus took the bread, and he blessed it. And there's three schools of thought at verse 31. And then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and they disappeared from his, and then he disappeared from their sight. They recognized him. Some people think that when the way that he broke the bread and, and handed it out was reminiscent of the way that he fed the 5,000, certainly these two gentlemen would have been there. And just the actions on that day around the table reminded them of the actions back in that day. Other people think that when he passed out the bread, they saw the scars where the nails had pierced his hands. Others think that when he, when he passed the bread out, he did both, or it could have been another option. I don't know what made it finally dawn on them that Jesus was in the place. I love watching us worship. Because I, I do, and I'm getting better at raising my hand and, and being a little freer and, and worshiping and all that kind of stuff. But you guys know I'm, I'm just kind of not wired that way, and that's okay for those of you who are. I love it. And it always intrigues me when people raise their hand and praise the Lord. And I always want to go, okay, what was it about that that got them to do that? And I've just come to accept that sometimes when we pray, worship the Lord together, there's this personal moment of recognition that Jesus is in the house, that Jesus is with us, and that Jesus is all we need in that moment and in that time. We worship him. So these disciples, man, they give us some, some great lessons from just walking and, and eating with the Lord. And I just kind of want to kind of share those things with you real quick what can happen when you take a slow walk and eat a nice meal with jesus what can happen when you take a slow walk and slow down and just eat at the table of the lord a couple of things from this story that that i'll just quickly throw out to you first of all you have the ability to make sense of things remember they had all the facts right but they couldn't make any sense of it Finally, Jesus showed up, starts with the Old Testament, brings them up to date, just loves on them and is with them and disciples them intentionally, purposefully, with skill and, and with intentionality so that they understand that what was jumbled up in their head now makes sense. I am amazed at us. I am amazed at us. Because when life doesn't make sense... We run to this thing, and we run to that person, and we go here, and we go yonder. For those of you not from the south, that means over there. And we go a little bit of everywhere. Instead of going to Jesus, who is sovereign in his understanding, who knows all things, and can take what's going on in our mind and make sense out of it. I mentioned Joey Anthony a little earlier. And uh, his passing was really, really hurtful. For me, I mean, just painful. I, I love Joe as many in this room did. And, and I just needed, I needed time to process that. I was doing the pastoral thing and trying to help people work through that and really kind of suppressed my own grieving and, and grief process. And I found out I just needed time. 
And I'm telling you, what was most comforting to me was to read through the book of the Psalms. About how God's ever present with us. How God's a present help in time of trouble. How blessed in the eyes of the Lord is the passing of his saints. Psalm 116 and verse 15. I mean, it's just full of words of comfort and words of encouragement. And as I just kind of had that time in it, everything just, it didn't all make sense. But he made sense of the things that I could deal with. So not only does kind of walking slow help you make sense of things, it'll change your attitude. Look at verse 32. He said they ask each other, were not hearts burning while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Remember they're walking, they're discouraged, they're, they're sullen, they're sad. It was all over their countenance. And now Jesus shows up and their attitude starts to change. Jesus shows up and all of a sudden things go from here and they escalate to here and then finally he breaks bread and they realize it's the risen Christ. He's in the house. Boom, he's gone. By the way, they run back to the disciples in Jerusalem and that's the next point I think. If I got him in order, well, verse 32, it'll also revive your heart, man. This burning, man, this burning, man. It's been a long time since some of you just burned for the Lord, you know. And this birdie just, yes, it's Christ. He's living, he's risen, he's alive, he's well, and I serve him, and he lives in my heart. Remember that old song? I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he's leading whatever men may say. I see his hand of mercy. I hear his hope of cheer. And just the time I need him, he's always near. He lives, he lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and he talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives. Salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. Man, that's that burning. When you know Christ is there in your heart. Man, I'm telling you, some, it's been a while since some of you have been on fire and have burned for the Lord and you just kind of come and you go through the motion and you say, Pastor, what do I need? Man, you need a long walk and a slow meal with Jesus. You need some time that can't be crammed into a 60-minute a worship service. You need time that can't just fit into a 15-minute devotion. You need time with the Lord. You said, well, how do you get that? Okay, this is for the guys in the room. Turn off the TV. And get someplace quiet. Being typical male. We'll fall asleep. And then when you wake up, read the book. By the way, the next thing that can happen to you when you take a slow walk and eat a long meal with Jesus, man, it'll change the direction of your life. These guys were going away from Jerusalem, and man, all of a sudden they couldn't wait, and they had just walked seven seven miles from Jerusalem to Emmaus. They have dinner late that night, and man, they just hightail it, and they busted out of their house, and they head back to Jerusalem late in that evening. Man, if you spend time with Jesus, it'll change the direction of your life. See, if you want to have change in your heart, transformation in your life, you got to spend time with Jesus. If you don't spend time with Jesus, you can't expect change. I'm not talking about a paint job. I am not talking about a paint job. We're doing a little work on our kitchen. 
I'm not talking about we're painting that thing. We have knocked down a wall in that thing. Move cabinets, move refrigerators. We've got, she's playing with the island right now, and we've got a boxed up Pepsi sign that I drug out of a field when we used to live in Kentucky 20 years ago, and it's now our countertop while she's getting the feel of the kitchen. And I'm stubbing my toe because we took out the, we got ruts in our wooden floor, and it's just like, see, Jesus Christ doesn't come to give you a paint job. Man, he comes to do a complete makeover in your life. And he changes the direction of your life. The final thing you'll see in this, in this text is that you know you've been with Jesus when you're in the presence of the Lord. Just hit that one more time, Pete, and it'll come up. When you know you've been in the presence of the Lord. Look at verse 34. And saying it's true, the Lord is with us. The same Lord that appeared to Simon, the Lord is with us. So you say, all right, pastor, how do I take this slow walk with Jesus? How do I slow down? Okay, this is not going to be very exciting, but I'm telling you, if you'll start doing it, it will begin to make a difference. Read your Bible. You say, I don't like to read. Amazon Books is making a fortune off people who like to read. Fact is, we like to read. Sometimes it might be a little tough for us to read. Read. If you don't like to read, get it in audio version. And let it read to you. But spend time in the Word. And don't just, you know, read it so you're going from point A to point B. Man, spend time in God's Word. Show up at church. Sunday morning, I'm preaching to the choir because you're all here. You're all going, <laughs> good, I'm here on the right Sunday. But Wednesday nights, the kids have Pioneer Club, a great program Kim Fema leads. Talk to your kids about what they're learning in children's church and in Sunday school and children's church. They have a theme for the month for the month that reiterates what they are learning every week in their Sunday school class. It's this tandem kind of one-two punch. Learn, talk with them about it. Spend time in God's Word. Have devotions with your children. You say, I don't know the Bible very well. How do I have devotions? Go to the Bible bookstore, buy a Bible or a children's Bible story book, and just simply start reading it to your children. Read it with excitement and make it dramatic and don't read it, you know, like... I mean, read it with some... Zip. I don't know how you define zip, but do it with some zip, some panache, some pizzazz. If I knew another P word, I would throw it in there. Put God's word in there. Wrap their lives around church. Some of the most funniest things in my life have happened at church. You can't make stuff up. And then finally, get involved in life groups where you can worship together. And walk slowly together. Would you bow your heads and would you close your eyes for just a moment? I know I'm talking to some folks who it's been a while since your heart's burned. I know it's, I'm talking to some folks who are heading in the wrong direction. I'm talking to some folks who it's just been a while since your attitude has just rejoiced because the Christ is with us. And I would just simply to tell you that Jesus is indiscriminate. 
He chooses all the wrong sorts of people. He invites everyone to walk with him and to eat a meal with him. He invites the best and the worst, the highest and the lowest. He invites you to slow down and walk with him. Would you stand to your feet and would you just simply agree with me in prayer? I know what you all have done. Matter of fact, you just look this way before we pray. I know what you all have done. You ate more than you should have on Thursday. How many of you did the Black Friday thing on Friday? How many of you watched that almost Ohio State victory yesterday? And now you're just kind of tired today. I know what we do. We burn ourselves out at the job. We burn ourselves out doing things with family. We burn our things out doing stuff of life. And then we give Jesus the, rest of, the leftover and we say, here, do something with this mess. Instead of giving Jesus the leftover, why don't you change the direction of your life and give him first choice? Give him the first cut. Give him prime time. If you're a morning person, read your Bible then. If you're an evening person, read your Bible then. If you're an afternoon person, read your Bible then. Give him the first time of the best time of your day. Stay faithful to church. Connect in a life group. So that your heart will burn. Your soul will be revived. The direction of your life will be changed. The attitude of your life will be changed and you'll know that you're in the presence. You'll know that you're in the presence of Jesus Christ. So pray with me, Father, all of us, Mike Trimble, first of all, needs to hear the message, slow down, walk slow.